Diversion Audio. Rat race got you down? It was September 1992. End of the Road by Boys to Men was the number one song, leading to my own ill advised attempts at wearing a cardigan. Over in Dallas, Texas, Denise and Paul Jonas welcomed their third son into the world, a little lad called Nick. Ah. And on the small screen, this sitcom made its debut. I could have died. I, 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 it was a brush with death. I literally, I saw my life flash before my eyes. What was I wearing? We were on the break! Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. I'm getting Hello and welcome to the shows we watched with me, James King, and me, Emily Johnston. We celebrate iconic television shows, the cast, the crew, the plots, and the memories. One American, one Brit, one TV show. 30 minutes of insight and fun. Have I hyped this up a little too much? (laughs) I think that is highly likely. I opened with a Nick Jonas anecdote. I mean, what do you think? Um, Yes, this week we talk about a show that started 30 years ago over on NBC on Tuesday nights. It went on to win 12 Emmys, including... This is incredible. Four in a row for its leading actress, Helen Hunt. Emily, what is the show we watched this week? Well, James, it is Mad About You. Ah, yes. Classic sitcom. Started, like I said, 30 years ago, September the 23rd, 1992. That's when it began. Ran for seven seasons. There was a recent revival as well. Starred Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt as young Manhattan couple, Paul and Jamie. (laughs) Emily, where do you want to start with Mad About You? Oh, I mean, there's only one place I can start. Uh, (laughs) Let me see if you can guess. (laughs) Well, knowing you well, we are old friends. I suspect it's something to do with dating. Oh, and romance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed. Right, you you dated Paul Reiser. Is that what you're about to tell me? I wish. He's such a hunk. I think I'm like seven inches taller than him, though. (laughs) Um, No, I really, okay, so I have to admit that this show first came out when I was 12. Right. So obviously a 12-year-old probably isn't going to be interested in Mad About You. Yeah. But I watched it years later, and I have to say that if I had to make one statement about the show, it is that every engaged couple should have to watch the whole thing from start to finish before deciding to get married. Okay. Because you think it sort of lays the blueprints for how to do it. Well, the mistakes, but also what you should should be doing. Absolutely. Right. It really is something. It is a beautiful show that it's crafted yeah. to show the highs and the lows, but that the highs always over, over arch over the lows, and and it's, and it's just you really see the guts of a marriage. You yeah. see, up until this point, I feel like on American television. 
there weren't a lot of truths being told yeah. about marriage. And I feel like, if, you know, we're used to seeing this glossy sheen, especially, I mean, I'm not to throw way back to the 50s, but <laughs> it, yes, we are coming into an age where people were being more realistic about romance and expectations. Yeah. But I feel like Mad About You truly took the life of a marriage and showed how it evolves and the hard parts. And they were hard. You really felt them with these two characters. And I just remember watching it and feeling like I was being exposed to this whole reality of what marriage actually is. And that's coming from someone who has parents that have been together since they were 17. And I only ever saw perfection with my parents. So I never thought marriage was hard. Um, And you'll know after going through many a day talking (laughs) to me about who I'm dating that I always had this expectation of marriage. But Mad About You is just a realistic look in a charming way about what marriage can be and how hard it can be, but how rewarding it can be if you stick through it. And I really just, I have nothing but amazing things to say about this show. So that that title then is kind of mad about you, as in I'm crazy about you, I'm in love with you, but it mm. also could be you drive me mad. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, because yeah. because they have both, don't they? And that ultimately is the, a truthful relationship where yeah. you do drive each other crazy, yeah. but you're also totally in love. And I do love that. I love that chemistry that they have Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt Paul and Jamie um in in a way they're so, they're two such different actors mm. and their styles in the TV show are, are so different she's very chill uh, on last week's episode we talked about um Blake Lively didn't we and I mean they're very different characters but mm. there's an element of that sort of tranquility about Jamie yeah in, when she plays uh, the way that Helen Hunt plays her, um, she's very relaxed in it, and 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 I agree. I was surprised at how, in a way, it's it's a traditional sitcom. It has the laughter track. It's about the punchlines. It's about the gags, um, and that's kind of old fashioned, really. It's it's you know it's it's something that has been going on for years in yeah. in, in sitcoms, but it did have a bit more earthiness to it and a bit more authenticity to it. Um, then I think, like you said, things I'd seen before. Yeah. Um, and um, so it, it's it's a bit of a hybrid, actually, isn't it? It sort of feels enough like a mainstream traditional sitcom for it to get big audiences, which it yeah. did, and to be well-loved, which yeah. it did. But it did also gently do stuff that we hadn't seen before. It had guts. Yeah. I really feel like it wasn't necessarily focused on drama. It wasn't focused on comedy. It was focused on, I mean, I might be going too deep here, but it it felt like it was delivering a lesson or like a cautionary tale. Because sometimes they were just two-handers as well, the episodes, weren't they? And and, um, Or or in quite a confined space. There's an episode where they're all, um, Jamie and Paul and their friends, they're all stuck on a train. They're going to Thanksgiving. (laughs) And then the second half of the show is them all coming back from Thanksgiving. And that's quite theatrical, really, when you're just in one setting. Mm-hmm. And that also means you're very dialogue heavy. You know, you don't really have That's a lot true. of room to to do um, action or anything like that. It's very yeah. much about people talking. Yeah. Um, and you really do learn a lot about them. And, and within the jokes, you do actually get some lessons in there too. And I think Paul Reiser, who is also the co-creator of the show, as well as being, certainly at the time, he was the biggest star uh, in the show. He's He's someone I think we should celebrate more. I grew I up watching um, My Two Dads, oh my which God. he starred, him and Greg Evigan. And Greg Evigan was the, you know, the pin-up, the, the cool one. Yeah. Paul Reiser was the, the wisecracking one. Paul Reiser yeah. was a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And you certainly saw that, that um, personality in My Two Dads. You see it again in Mad About You. I would argue, actually, 
just uh, ruffle a few feathers. <laughs> He's occasionally a little bit too wisecracking in Mad About You. I do think sometimes... It makes it feel unrealistic, doesn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Helen Hunt has the more uh, realistic style of acting, I think. Occasionally, yeah. I think Paul Reiser verges into stand-up comedy a bit too much. He's so much about getting the punchline. I would actually say that would be my... I, I, would, I agree, and yeah. that would be my one criticism of the show. To me, he's like the archetypal... He's such a New Yorker, you know, he's, he's New York through and through. Mm. He's like the archetypal New York stand-up comedian just always looking for bang, 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 punchline, punchline, punchline. Yeah. And that's what makes him brilliant, but yeah. also in the context of Mad About You occasionally makes him a little bit too much. And then recently I've seen him in uh, The Kaminsky Method. He's virtually unrecognisable in that against Michael Douglas, um, dates Kaminsky's daughter, Mindy. But he's brilliant in it. I think he's in Stranger Things as well. And he's just one of those actors who has been around forever. In the 80s, he was turned up in movies mm. like Aliens and Beverly Hills Cop yeah. and things like that. I just remember being a kid going, oh my God, it's the dude from My Two <laughs> <That> Dads. <laughs> you know. Um, and I'm fascinated by people like that who mm. have just been slogging away, working hard, delivering the goods year after year after year. And he's incredibly successful. They were getting paid a fortune by the end of Mad About I think it was a million an episode. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not like he's, you know, he's he's kind of an unknown, not at all. But I don't think we quite give him the credit that is due for someone who has been around for so long and has done so many different things and actually has broken new ground on several occasions. Yep. Um, and, I, you know, he's, to me, he's that kind of presence where you go, there's Paul Reiser, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, I and would absolutely agree now with that. He's, now it's mainly supporting roles, admittedly. But when you see him in there, you think, well, I am guaranteed some professionalism. Yeah. This is someone who knows how to do it. He knows how to get the joke if it's a comedy. Um, he knows how to do stand-up. He's written books. He's made. I think he did, wrote the theme tune for Mad About You as well. He's obviously, with Vile Love It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still love that. <laughs> he's obviously uh, you know, a musician as well. So he's just one of those utter professionals Mm. That that are really the backbone of the showbiz world. Yeah, and perhaps we take him a little bit for granted. But despite the occasional annoying moments as Paul in Mad About You, ultimately, you know, Paul Reiser is one of those guys. He's a, right. Dick Van Dyke is another one. Been oh, going yeah. forever. Yeah, done everything, all yeah. kinds of styles, theater, comedy, musicals, everything. He's done it. And he's a legend. And yeah. I think Paul Reiser should be seen as, you know, in that kind of... Would he be flattered that you've just compared him to Dick Van Dyke? Well, are you thinking Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins? Because that might be the, that might be the, the exception <laughs> I mean, to the rule. Okay, no, I'm talking about the lifespan. <laughs> right, if, okay, would yeah. He, would that, and I genuinely mean that. Would he yeah. be flattered by that, that I think, comparison? I think if Paul Reiser hits, you know, late 90s like Dick Van Dyke is yeah. and is, is looked upon in the same way as Dick Van Dyke, then that's absolutely something that you should be proud of. Well, I will say he's aged very well. <laughs> Paul Reiser has. Yes. Well, in the Kaminsky method, I didn't recognize him because he's deliberately looking kind of odd, like yeah. a sort of washed up old hippie. Oh God. Okay. Um, and I really, cause you know, he does look good still. Yeah. Um, but he really doesn't in that show. <laughs> but actually in real life, he hasn't changed that much since Mad no, About You, has he? looks amazing. He looks really good. Sorry, that's totally off topic. <laughs> uh, listen, I know we're going to be talking about something you particularly love in a second. Mm -hmm. um, this is because when the shows we watch returns, more Mad About You, but we find out whatever happened to Murray the dog. We're talking <laughs> canines, Emily. It's your specialist subject. Oh, God, okay. It's all coming up. <laughs> 
This is The Shows We Watched with me, James King. And me, Emily Johnston. Okay, time for our regular feature where we find out what happened to one of the supporting cast (laughs) from this week's show. This week's show is Mad About You. And the supporting cast member is Murray the Dog. (laughs) He's dead. He's dead. Don't, James. Listen, listen. What what can I say? (laughs) Now, I feel all right saying this. Because it was a long time ago, that show. (laughs) Exactly. Paul Reiser has said, real name Maui, by the way, Collie Mix. Murray's real name's Maui. Um, And Paul Reiser has said, when he was doing press for the reboot, the recent reboot of Mad About You, no one asked him about himself. No one asked him about Helen Hunt. They all just wanted to know what had happened to Murray the dog. Oh my God. And so he just had to say loads of times, well, I'm really sorry, Murray is no more. And people were shocked. And he's like, hang on, this is 30 years, years ago. 30 years ago. I was 25, 20. 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm afraid to say that's. it's unlikely that Murray the dog's still going to be alive. Oh my God. Um, but that's how popular he was. Um, and so popular, in fact, I love this, that there was a, a, an issue of TV Guides, summer 1994, that featured on the front cover... Uh, Murray the dog and Eddie from Frasier, a double act. <laughs> I love it. They, I really want to know if they got along. <laughs> yeah, they mates out of, outside of the TV, outside of the the, the photo shoot. So they all go after work and grab a doggy <laughs> bowl of beer together. <laughs> um, which got me thinking about best TV dogs. Oh, uh, do we have any opinions? I mean, Murray's got to be up there. Eddie's got to be up there. You have a kind of weird thing where, like Brian from Family Guy, you know, obviously that's a it's it's not a real dog. It's an animated dog, and he can yeah. speak, so it's very much not a real dog. But no. he's still a dog. Scooby Doo is that? Does he fit into the same world, or is he a cartoon dog, not like a real dog? Yeah. Um, Lassie, obviously. Oh, Lassie! But, but there were many Lassies. There were many Lassies, yeah. and Lassie isn't really a pet. Benji. You know? Benji is another good one. Again, many Benjis. Um, I don't remember this so well because this wasn't a big show in in the UK, but in the States, uh, Full House. Oh my God. There was Comet. I believe the dog was called Comet. What kind of dog? Was he a sheep dog or something? Uh, Comet was a golden retriever. No. Oh my. Oh, I failed my own people. I know. Exactly. (laughs) As a golden retriever owner, I should know that. Oh, I feel so bad. So there there have been plenty, but I I would say that that Murray slash Maui from Mm. Mad About You should be up there because there are some great moments yeah involving. he's incredible and there's a lovely thing as the show goes on where where um paul and jamie have their own child and it's yeah. sort of the dog you know how does the dog deal with that because yeah. the dog has been their child for so long yeah and then a new person comes into into the fold so. well again another moment that really marriages can examine yeah. because yeah. that is such a big thing right that you've had your first child which is a dog yeah. And then you have the real child. <laughs> and how does that work? So there you go. Another lesson learning opportunity. <laughs> R.I.P. Maui. Oh, poor Maui. Do you have a favorite episode of Mad About You, Emily? One that you oh think kind of sums it up perfectly, says it all? I do. Um, and I, I'm always very curious as to what people's favorite episodes are because they're very short as yeah. well. Yeah. So they're quite easy to digest. But when we decided we were going to do this show, my mind instantly went back to one episode in particular, and it was the Met Someone episode. Yeah. Met Someone episode. And in that episode, it is 
where they meet. So it's a flashback. It is, it's, which I love in the show because you don't actually, you don't know their full love story. You you learn it as you go along. So yeah. almost every week you kind of hope for another nugget of their story and how yeah. they got together. And the met someone, I love a cute meet. Like, <laughs> Colin's such a romantic. This is to do with dry cleaning, isn't it? Isn't it? He yes. finds so dry cleaning tickets. Oh my God. Well, no, so remember they meet, they're at the newsstand yeah. and he's buying the last New York Times and she's she needs the, the last New York Times mm. and she says that both of her parents have died in an earthquake and the, the obituary is in there and that's why yeah. she needs to get it and he kind of you know he understands that's not the truth but or feels like it's not the truth she drops her her laundry pickup and her dry cleaning pickup and the dog Murray is there by yeah. the way crucial part of this storyline yeah. and he then looks he buys another New York Times realizes that she was in fact lying and is somehow madly in love with this woman within seconds of meeting her, um, which is, of course, how all love should start. <laughs> and, and then, how cute is this? Goes to get her dry, picks up her dry cleaning, asks the guy, tells the guys at the dry cleaners that he's her assistant, and then, this is what I never understood, says, I need the address for her office. Yeah. What <laughs> for her assistant? Why do we we, we have to works? just go with that, don't we? Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things you just have to roll yeah. with. But then he, this whole episode is basically how he puts in so much effort to find this woman. And he doesn't really, I think he understands and he does, they, they address this time and again throughout the series. But he doesn't really understand what's driving him. And then, of course, this is the whole idea of a soulmate and, and you're supposed to be together. And she has just come off a really bad breakup. She's kind of telling her friend about how she's never doing this again. She's hurt. You know, we all know that story. James has heard it from me a few times. Once or twice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then this man just appears. And, and I think you've actually given me this advice that when you least expect it, yep. that the, the man of your dreams will appear. And this is literally what happens in this scene. And it is such a beautiful story and one where you are, obviously, you know they get together, but you don't know that this is the exact moment. So you're yeah. sort of, are they, aren't they, are they, aren't they? Until the very end of the episode when they have their first kiss. And I swear, like, fireworks were going off in my great, room. It's <laughs> a great first kiss, isn't it? It's oh. a lovely moment in the dark in the office. And he's loving on New York City. He's looking out the yeah. window, talking about how beautiful the city is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just perfect in every way. Except, except... On last no. week's show, we talked about how Gossip Girl was filmed in New York City. Oh. This was filmed in LA. I so know. he's looking out onto a soundstage. He is, he's so not believable. looking at anything. <laughs> it is very believable. Yeah, it is very believable. And I like, you know, I mentioned um, earlier on that, that occasionally I find Paul just a bit too much with mm. his cracking wise. Uh, but you see a vulnerable side to him in this episode. Um, and it, that's lovely. It is. And it's subtle as well. Um, vulnerable, both of them, in fact. There's that line where she says, I just don't want to be disappointed again. You oh, know, oh I mean, that's my heart. that's like a great kind of Richard Curtis romantic comedy is. line, isn't it? it is. um, and there's a lovely Christmas party. I love the. Oh my God, it's so Richard Curtis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a bit of the office thrown in there as well. Oh my God. Um, there's that great line where he's looking at the the food on offer at the Christmas party mm -hmm. and he just goes, yeah, I'm, un I'm uneasy with starting a cheese. He doesn't really <laughs> want to be the first person to break into the cheese. I just love that. <laughs> it's so relatable. Yeah. It's so, I mean, and again, you've said he's more or less trained to have, you know, these reactions to yeah. things as a stand-up comic, but yeah. it is, it, the delivery is, it is sometimes so brilliant you you do forgive him for that because you're yeah. like actually that is kind of what everyone's thinking in their yeah. mind no one says out loud yeah 
So good. Yeah. So good. And and the episode, one of the several episodes, but perhaps the first time we see that kind of vulnerability to him, that softer side to him, which I really like. Um, and also you see uh, briefly Lisa Kudrow in oh that episode. God. Um, playing a sort of date, a blind date, mm-hmm. who who Paul's been set up with, really not in it very much. And there are there's some some I think quite strange actually connections to Friends between yeah. Mad About You and Friends because Lisa Kudrow then comes back into Mad About You, um, playing in Ursula in a different role. Yeah. So the second time she's in it, she's playing Ursula, the waitress. Remind? Do you remember how far in it is before she? Because oh, it's I in season remember. one. Yeah. But I don't know because I'm wondering, rewatching it. Yeah. How weird that is that you see her in the first episode as someone who's on a blind date with Paul, but yeah. a completely different name, but with the same attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and then she turns up as this lunatic. They waitress. obviously loved her so much the first time around. They went, "Stay there, Lisa. We've got another role for you in a few weeks." <laughs> But but then she's playing Ursula, who we become more familiar with if you're a fan of Friends, because mm. Ursula, several years later, when Friends is in its run, is turns out to be Phoebe's twin sister, the dark twin, the sister. the dark twin sister, yeah. yeah. But Ursula first appears way you know before we ever heard of Phoebe as a waitress in Mad About You, and then I think a couple of years later, Friends starts, and so there is this period in time in the '90s where they're both running concurrently, and you have some crossover episodes, and there are episodes where. I think it's um, uh, it's Helen Hunt. You know, she's mm. in Friends, and she kind of sees Phoebe and thinks it's Ursula and in it's, the cafe. Yeah, in the Friends cafe, in the Friends coffee yeah. shop. Per, uh, Central Park. Central Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so there are these crossover moments, uh, but also I think it's more than just those little in jokes, that kind of shared universe that they had. I do think that Mad About You paved the way. Um, a little bit for friends. They were slightly older. They were probably 30-ish, weren't they? Those characters, late twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe six or seven years older than the friends characters were. But they were both obviously New York City types. And I like the fact that the characters in Friends and the two leads in in Mad About You, they were both kind of just finding their way in life, yeah. weren't they? They were sort of bumbling through, yeah. making mistakes, learning things for the first time. Now we call it adulting, don't we? I'm terrible <laughs> at adulting. Oh my God, it's so and, true. and it's like all of them were doing that, really. They just didn't really know what to do. Yeah. And that was part of their charm. And it felt a long way from those very traditional family sitcoms, the married with children and, and family ties and things, where it was this, you know, strong family unit. Mm. Um, and appealing to everybody, appealing to kids, appealing to parents. This was like very much aimed at 20-somethings finding their way in life. Um, And Mad About You did that a few years before Friends really took it into, you know, the next level and became so successful with it. I do feel it feels a bit like a stepping stone um, towards Friends and... um, Absolutely. Even if you look at how the interactions with their family and friends, like yeah. this is the one thing I find about all shows based in New York, yeah. how people just pop into your apartment. I'm so glad they don't do that in real life. That would irritate me hugely. <laughs> but they do. And I wonder how much of Friends yeah. was thought about after Mad About You, because that is a reoccurring theme in Mad yeah. About You where people are just popping in yeah. in all aspects of your life. Like you all live in the same neighborhood or in the yeah. same block. or And that was... I. 
I know so many people live in New York and I none of them have told me that this pop-in thing <laughs> happens. And like you just said, you'd be totally freaked out if, you know, somebody yeah. just showed up in your apartment. But there is this setup where they have a very core group of friends that make an appearance regularly on the episodes and you get to know all of them and their storylines. So it might not be that it's the biggest ensemble cast as far as who the stars are as friends, you know, still you've got two. But you really do feel like it's almost like a setup where it's yeah. it's like this is one way to experience New York City yeah, as yeah. single people. Yeah. And this is another way to experience New York City as a married couple. Yeah. And that whole thing about authenticity you mentioned earlier and, and the sort of the the highs and lows of relationships, it feels like it was just, you know, we would be going further and further into that as the decade went on. And Friends, of course, did that as well. Mm. So well. Um, and this was really just a, a, actually a very important stepping stone in that direction. And Mad About You, let's, you know, let's not forget, was a huge success at the time. But just before we go, Emily, I want to say, don't ever pop around my house. You know I love you dearly. <laughs> don't just pop round. You need to text me beforehand don't and worry. make an appointment, all right? <laughs> Um, lovely to speak to you as always. You, you know I'm mad about you. Oh, James, um, the feeling is mutual. Um, and see you next week. See you next week. If you'd like to send us an email, a voicemail, a comment, an idea for a show, or if you just want to say hi, our email address is theshowswewatched.gmail.com. That's theshowswewatched.gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, and we may use your message in a future show. Of course, have a look on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Diversion Pods, that's where we're at. And The Shows We Watched is a production of Diversion Audio. The show was written, researched, and hosted by me, James King, along with my co-host, Emily Johnston. Our supervising producer and sound mixer is Mark Francis. Concept by John Tuttle. Our head of marketing is Erica Farmer. Original theme music by Tyler Cash. And the shows we watched was recorded at Vox Pod Studios in London and executive produced by Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis and Scott Waxman for Diversion Audio. So yeah, how's the voice holding up? Yeah, it's all right. Is it getting worse? No, I don't think so. Sorry I think it's... Cough. Just as long as you can understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs>